awful. So many thoughts. Okay. Not wishing death on strangers today. No. Not it, doing not putting that on my soul. That's not Friday behavior. That's Monday behavior. Yeah. <laughs> uh hello and welcome to another episode of Cheap Smut. My name is Katie Mizell. And my name is Carl Mizell. And this is a podcast that is not for children. No. No, I am so sorry, children. I know that our logo looks like candy, <laughs> but it is not candy. No. No, this is where we hide all the dirty stuff. Yeah. This is like finding four of your mother's dildos. Oh, my God. Imagine finding four of your mother's dildos. <laughs> I don't want to. That took a, a dark turn. It did. But in my defense, it's been a week. Oh, my God. I know. I know. We. I, I feel like every episode's like, how are you doing? fucking terrible it's been a week we all had a week life sucks it's hard for everybody that's not what we're here for let's talk about some fucking yeah but seriously how are you honey i'm good i'm tired i'm glad that it's friday night and uh even though i don't have a job like a day job fridays are still important to me because i did have a day job and i went to school for you know all those years It's, it's it's ingrained right into you to you know live for friday evening or oh, whatever yeah. and you know i'm i'm okay i got a little righteously indignant on your behalf a few minutes ago and that really fueled my fires yeah i got i got i got trauma dumped on on reddit yeah um and i'd i'd already had enough trauma this week i didn't need more i, I woke up i woke up this morning like halfway to an anxiety attack and then i got better and then someone in a completely unrelated subreddit came in and in, in you know t- to their story about cancer uh it, it was a subreddit about not cancer i don't yeah. <laughs> i don't want people to go find it or whatever like my luck they'd find it and then i was like great now i i, I have this yeah, and now you have those feelings so but like i said to you and like i'm gonna say to every listener right now everyone has trauma in their life everyone deserves to have someone listen to them about that but they don't get to just wander onto an, uh, your post on the internet and make it all about them and their pain. That's not cool, and that's not okay. Yeah, it's not. But we're not going to let it affect the show. No. We are not. Because, God damn it, this is about fun and fucking and f- having fun while fucking. Yes. And, and books. And books and literature and words and yeah. art and substance and lesbians. And yes, and, and mad lesbians. Mad lesbians. Not like lesbians who are mad, but like mad as in many. Many. Yeah. Many. Plural. Lesbii. Lesbii. <laughs> Which I guess. <laughs> Les- L-E-S-B-I-I? Uh, it's lesbians. I know. But. I just wanted to say lesbian. <laughs> Felt good. Okay. Just trying it out. <laughs> just took T- it out back. Took it out in the backyard and tried, tried it, out. it out for a while. Oh my god. What are we reading? Okay, this week we are reading the Fay Queen's Captive by Sierra Simone. Okay. I uh I loved this book. I did, uh, but I had a hard time getting through it this week because I had a hard time getting through this week. And even though it's a short book, it's, like I said, it's a novella. I still was like grasping at finishing it this afternoon yeah i remember i remember you saying that it is a a very 
very well written. Yes. Uh, excellent prose. Yes. Throughout the book, and it, it, it in turn inspired you, the person with a master's degree in writing, mm-hmm. to also like try to like match that level in your notes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My notes are very um, extra this week. I also put like emojis, emojis and stuff in here. Um, <laughs> which I've never done before, but there's a bunch of heart emojis in here. So I guess it tells you what I felt about this book. Loved it. Love every second of it. No, no eggplants though. No eggplants. Not a single eggplant to be found in this particular book. I mean, plenty of, plenty of dicks out. There are actually plenty of dicks out in this book, but they don't go in anybody that we we care about. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Well, let's get into it. Then. Yes, let's. Okay, so the uh, the Fake Queen's Captive is available on Kindle for four ninety nine, or through Kindle Unlimited, or because there is currently a, ki- a Kindle strike happening amongst many readers on many other platforms, because Sierra Simone is available on many other platforms, including uh, I believe you can buy this book in paperback. Um, it is book six in the Peculiar Tastes series, uh, which is was a collection of novellas written by six different authors, all surrounding the same night and the same events of that night from six different perspectives. It's six different romances. Wow. Yeah, it's pretty cool. There's a lot to take in. Yeah, it's super, it's super cool. Book one, three, four, five, and six are available through Kindle. On, uh, um, through Kindle. The second book by Katie Robert is not available on Kindle, and I don't know why. I assume there is a good reason for it. Katie Robert is a great author. Go read any other book of hers. The one with the dragon is supposed to be great. Uh, Katie Robert, if you're listening, uh, shoot us an email, cheapsmutpod at gmail.com, and let us know why. Yeah, sure. Or I, don't. I, I mean, I'm curious just because I'm curious. You know, yeah. my, my little goblin brain likes to collect facts, so tell me why. It's true. Or don't. Yeah, did you like the the did you like the baseball fact I told you today? Which baseball fact did you tell me today? About how every major league baseball team oh yeah 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 yeah. every major league baseball team has one player on their roster that has every letter of the word Astros in their name except the Houston Astros. (laughs) It's the most random bit of baseball information. I did enjoy. The uh, baseball fact I learned on your other podcast, Put Me in Coach, that you host with Matt Coggins, guest of our episode on the pitcher's assistant by yeah. Jessica Kane. Oh. We are an Ouroboros of self-promotion. Um, <laughs> that that one that one player who hits a home run whenever something really oh, bad Nick, happens. Nick Castellanos. Nick Castellanos. <laughs> yes. Something really bad happens. It is acknowledged by the like the radio announcers or or it is acknowledged within the ballpark in some capacity and then he hits he hits a donger right in the middle of it yeah no yeah the 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 short story is the former reds broadcaster got caught on a hot mic using the f slur um in reference to the city of san francisco as the f slur capital of the country um and then he was on so he was the television broadcaster actually and he was giving his apology and saying i don't know if i'll be behind this microphone again and in the middle of the apology the game is going on and nick castellanos hits a home run i'll i I, if i remember i'll link it in the show notes so you can watch it and then he just very deadpan while he's delivering this home this this apology and there goes a deep drive to left field from nick castellanos and it's now two to nine like he just (laughs) could not stop doing his job yeah and then 
in another game, somebody was eulogizing a, a former team employee on the air, and he was at the plate and hit a home run. Uh, they were doing a, they were talking about 9/11, and he hit a home run. And then a, a reporter got caught caught on a, a hot mic. A reporter called another reporter uh, a fucking cunt, and she lost her job. And that night. Nick Castellanos hit a home run. <laughs> Nick Castellanos is just really, really good at, uh, I don't know, taking some of the pressure off, I guess. I guess. So, yeah, I, 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 I refer to him as a dong-blasting oracle because <laughs> if he hits a home run, something terrible happens somewhere. We just it didn't get caught on a microphone. I apologize for that uh, baseball digression slash cross-promotion for Put Me In Coach. Um, but that's the kind of stuff you'll hear on Put Me In Coach. Oh, do we have any content warnings for this episode? Oh, golly gee, do we? Oh, great! I yes. can't wait to do the show notes for the me- for the <laughs> metadata. Uh, all of these, uh, all this content information is available at the top of the book and on Sierra Simone's website. Content warnings for violence, murder of bad people, <laughs> captivity, blood, explicit sex, hunting, graphic hunting, intoxication, and uneven power dynamics. Okay. Okay. You heard that loud thud just now. That was a cat being a dick. Bonnie, stop it. Fucking dick. All right. Well, with that, now that we've uh, cross-promoted the shows, told the tale of the great Nick Castellanos, <laughs> um, who's quite a quite a looker. So if you want to go Google Nick, Cast- Nick Castellanos, uh, you know, be like, hey, there's a hot baseball guy. Yay, hot baseball guy. Uh, but no, no guys in this week in this week's book at all. Because a reminder, this book is sapphic. And as a little peek behind the curtain, it is the first sapphic romance I have ever read. Get the fuck out of here. I know. How? I never really thought about it. I've read a lot of I've, I've read a lot of heteronormative romance. I've read a lot of gay romance, but I've never read a sapphic romance before. And while I was reading this, I kind of went, oh, I think I avoided these because I was avoiding the reality of my queerness for a long time. Oh, OK. So. Maybe uh, maybe don't read this if you don't want to have the awakening you know is coming. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> this better not awaken anything in me. <laughs> is this going to... Yeah. This is oh, going to awaken something. Yep. Yep. <laughs> There's that bisexual beast. Uh, I knew she was in there somewhere. Yeah. That bitch. All right. Anyway, so... That queer bitch. Speaking of bisexual beasts, our, <laughs> our first FMC this week is Janeth... Carter. Janeth. J-A-N-N-E-T-H. Janeth. Uh, okay. Uh, Janeth is an archaeology graduate student working on a dig in the Scottish Moors. Okay. Along with, I, I'm going to say, five other people, because every single one of them, I think, is, gets their own book in this series. So it's an educated guess. Yeah. I am I'm purely making an educated guess right now. Um. This book opens up on the first night of Samhain, um, which for you uh, Americans out there who might not know is Halloween. But the pagan tradition of Samhain is very different from Halloween. And Scotland's particular version of Halloween is very different from the American version of Halloween. So this is Scottish Halloween we're talking about right now. Uh, so get get like girls dressed as sexy cats out of your head. <laughs> That's not going to happen in, this, in any of these books. Um, I don't even have enough frame of re- like I can't even think of a joke. No. I'm not even going to try. I, yeah, I would not. I would not recommend it. Uh, think a lot of uh, drunken revelry parades with big like scary like monsters on sticks. Okay, um, we're scaring away the evil spirits. 
Gotcha. Yeah, the, the, the veil is thin and we're keeping the fairies at bay. So Janeth uh, is doing a dig b- led by her mentor, uh, digging for remnants of an ancient Scottish ca- castle that was recently rediscovered when someone found an old manuscript from a from a spanish con like a spanish admiral's um you were gonna say conquistador i was gonna say conquistador i I, you stopped and i was like some spanish cunt i'm like what some spanish cunt well (laughs) conquistador cunt same difference okay um (laughs) so in 1588 a spanish armada vessel wrecked itself on the scottish rocks they don't really have beaches there they have cliffs and stuff and uh he was found a a while later like wandering and muttering to himself about a a great castle of silver and mist and none of his none of his crew were ever seen again and this text is recently rediscovered by janeth's mentor and so they are digging for the remnants of the castle from this book that's what's happening got it everybody else who is staying on site is getting ready to go to a carnival on the other side of the moor that uh, is in celebration of Samhain. Janeth is supposed to be going with them, but there are lights coming from the dig site. So she wants to go out and check out, make sure that there's not like drunken youths fucking with their stuff, basically. Mm -hmm. She very briefly has a conversation with one of her friends. He mentions fairies and fairy fruit. Some of of the traditional Scottish folklore about fairies, um, they're not nice. They're not good. They're not small and cute with wings and shit. They are badass magical motherfuckers who steal children and you know bewitch men and the the old the old world folklore about fairies is horrifying oh yeah like i'm just putting that out fairies there. like <clears throat> those types of fairies metal as fuck yes yes completely metal um i'm gonna google something real, real quick so this book several times throughout this book including in the very first chapter, they reference what's called fairy fruit. And from the lore, you're not supposed to eat fairy fruit or you'll go mad or you'll be bewitched or you'll never be able to come home again or, you know, whatever it is. And that makes me think of the goblin market. Have you ever heard the goblin market? It's a poem. No, but I I, I really thought you were going to say never come again. No. I was like, God. Oh, God. No, no. You'll never come home again. Jesus. I'd rather um, I'd, I'd rather never come home again. <laughs> goblin fruit. Sorry. Goblin fruit. The Goblin Market is a poem by Christina Rossetti. Okay, Goblin Market. Sorry. And I love it. Uh, the passage that always sticks with everybody is, we must not look on goblin men. We must not buy their fruit. Who knows on what, who knows upon what soil they've fed their hungry, thirsty roots. And that's... It's a, a warning about fairies, same as every other great, you know, story about goblins, fairies, elves. They all started as warnings. <laughs> so I just thought I'd put that out there because I really love that poem and I thought other people should hear it. Go go read The Goblin Market. Absolutely. It's beautiful. Okay, so Janeth walks out to the moors, walks out to the dig site on the moor. Um, to just chase off whatever youths are there while she's walking. She thinks about herself and gives us all the information that we need to know about her. She refers to herself several times throughout this book as insatiable, as an insatiable girl. She has massive hungers. She likes food. She likes drinking. She likes partying. She likes sex. She's not ashamed of any of it, or she she wasn't ashamed of any of it, but after a while, people 
stopped tolerating her. And so she started hiding parts of herself because everybody was embarrassed by how much she wanted to do all of these things. So there you go. There's there's Janeth. She's an archaeologist. She's incredibly intelligent. She really enjoys the pleasures of life. And uh, she feels bad about it, but not because she's supposed to feel bad about it, because other people have made her feel bad about it. When she gets to the dig site, she finds a ring of torches, like actual torches, in the dirt. And she is confronted by three people. They are otherworldly beautiful. They are cryptic when they talk. And they basically tell her that she has to come with them. Their names are Morvin, Maynard, and Idalia. Once she says no, she's not going with them. She initially thinks that they want to go to the carnival. And she's like, oh, you're just drunk and weird. I'll take you up to the carnival. Why not? (laughs) Um, You're just drunk and weird. Come on. It's Scotland. You're drunk. Let's go to the carnival. Um, They're like, no, you're coming with us. And then she's bound and her eyes are covered and she is slung over one of their shoulders and carried away. She has now been kidnapped. <laughs> and that's the start of this book. Christ. This is a dark book. Yeah. I think definitely the darkest book I have read in a while. It's beautiful. Sierra Simone's writing style is beautiful. It's poetic. It's lush. It's like I told you the other day. It's like she crams three words into every word. Yeah. Yeah very dense it's very dense and it feels really luxurious just to even read it (laughs) but it's also very dark because she can cram three dark words into one word (laughs) (laughs) Um, so she's carried through the cairn a cairn is a big mound of rocks Mm -hmm. uh, that is meant to denote either a grave or a sacred space or a battleground or something like that they're they're pocked all over the wilderness of the the united kingdom but particularly scotland uh me you know a lot of things that i'm constantly surprised that you know not because i not because you're unintelligent but because the 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 scope of the things you know is impressive adhd baby i got that vault of random crap is there anything out there that explains why some cultures just decided that piles of fucking rocks was just a way to symbolize something Yes, because piles of rocks don't fall down. That's fair. I just, it just, well, I mean, they don't fall down. But like, if somebody like comes along and was like, "Man, I, we could really use like eight thousand rocks." They probably did. Hey, what's that over there? They uh, probably did. Yeah, no, I know. That's why there's just, not a lot more. It just the, uh, it's just a weird connection to make. Like, we should never forget what happened here. How will we remember this? Big pile of rocks. Big pile of rocks. Humans have have a habit of like demarcating places on the plant like places that they have been everybody does it yeah every culture does it it's a general human condition to want to like memorialize things i think and big piles of rocks they just don't fall down every giant wooden sculpture that once probably decorated the highlands is long since gone and the big piles of rocks remain yeah no i'm i'm no different remember the, the the christmas present that i tried to put together for you i tried to gather dirt from every place we've ever lived together yep. <laughs> to plant a tree using some of the soil from every place we've ever lived. Uh, that's more like absurd, I guess, to think like you're just getting dirt from places and then putting it in the ground. And no one will ever see it. It's not even a pile of rocks that people would see. No. But it's the importance. Yeah. Yeah, it is. So Janeth, Janeth is carried through the cairn and then she's back in the woods 
and she is carried for a while until they stop and she is set down and the blindfold is removed and her captors look different now. So Idalia was wearing a beautiful blue scarf covered in tiny embroidered butterflies. Now she is wearing a scarf made of moths, which just sounds itchy. <laughs> Idalia has like a like a cloud of moths that follow her everywhere. They're like a living accessory. Does she glow? No. Okay. I just, you know, because moths. I don't think so. I don't think she glows. So, so she she looks up. She sees the moths and whatever else she sees. And then she sees a big fucking castle. It's beautiful. It's impossible. It seems to have been like carved directly out of the cliff that it sits next to. And it's detailed and lush. When, When they take her inside, there's like mosaics made of gemstones and polished petrified wood. There's not carpet. There's grass living grass there's rooms that are just made up of like the walls are just waterfalls <laughs> why not so um, extra it is and she is uh and everything is lit by sapphire blue torches which she calls wisps or will o the wisps and uh bioluminescent mushrooms which i think is cool i, I love bio i i love things that are bioluminescent especially mushrooms yes I think it would be really super great if we could just like gently light our homes with bioluminescent mushrooms. I think that'd be so cool. Be sick as fuck. You kidding me? Yes. Yes. It would be sick as fuck. Uh, So she is taken to the library of this castle where she meets a beautiful woman wearing a blood red dress who radiates cool power. And I am sorry, Carl, if I ever got the opportunity, I would leave you for the stag queen fucking immediately. (laughs) She is so fucking cool. There. You um, know, I, I respect the honesty. Uh, so this woman is the queen of stags. This is the stag court in fairy lore. There are multiple courts, um, small and large, which operate in, uh, under like barely, barely maintaining truces all the time. She meets the stag queen. The queen tells her that she is going to be a guest here for two days. And on the third day, she can leave. Um, she has all the freedoms of the court except being able to leave. Janice. <laughs> so, that seems like a pretty big freedom to not have. Well, yeah, she's a captive. I mean, this is not, it's not like. Yeah, no, I, I mean, it's right in the title. Yeah. What the fuck, fuck was I thinking? I don't know. But so Jan- Janet thinks that all of this is a dream. She thinks that she like slipped on some wet moss and hit her head on a rock (laughs) because there's no way that this could be real but she's so drawn to the queen especially sexually janeth wants to fuck this woman yeah that she just sort of goes with it she's like well if it's a dream it's a great dream let's go yeah right um she asks like can i can i go home and the queen very specifically says you can you will leave on the third night so there you go. She is led to a room that has been appointed for her for the purposes of staying here. She's going to be there for the entire Samhain feast, the hunt the next day, the ceremonial hunt, and the treaty negotiations that come the following day. So in her room, she's got like a magical wardrobe where all the clothes fit her perfect, even though she's plus sized and there's not a single fat fairy as far as I can tell. <laughs> um <laughs> And, you know, the most comfortable bed she's ever slept in and a bath that just appears and like cool, cool shit. She's in magic. She's in a magical world right now. Yeah. And she's terrified. But 
it's also pretty cool because she thinks she's dreaming. So it's fine. Um, she dresses herself uh, for dinner in a beautiful gown that magically fits her body. And she follows a path, a path of enchanted semi-sentient autumn leaves down to dinner like when she asks them a question they sort of shake a little bit and then they kind of go on their way <laughs> sorry i got lost i <laughs> i think the leaves were fucking with me i yeah i i didn't realize i was supposed to follow these leaves <laughs> <laughs> well she's told i think she's taken to her room by morvin um who is this like dour emo boy fairy and uh she's told like everywhere you go from now on just follow just tell the leaves where you want to go and you will go to that place and so she follows the leaves out and she stops on a bridge overlooking the moat and thinks to herself well I guess if I'm gonna escape now's the time I bet I probably wouldn't break anything major if I jumped into the moat and just started running but before she has an opportunity to do so she's told to stop by a man who is speaking Latin like you do like you do and Janeth, because she is an archaeology major, speaks Latin. Um, I would assume one has to at least learn how to read it I to get say. by in archaeology. <laughs> <laughs> one of my favorite jokes in a in a in an otherwise lackluster movie was me, myself, and Irene. <laughs> I thought you could read German. I said I could speak it, not read it, motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. Uh, big difference between the two there is a big difference there are plenty of people in this world who can speak a language but not read it yeah so she's stopped by this man they have a conversation and he leads her down to the banquet hall but on the way he tells her that this place is real all of this is real she's not dreaming she's not crazy he is 400 years old he is immortal just like her but he has learned how to survive in this place a place that is very dangerous he tells her that she has to keep her guard up all the time they don't think of life and death the same way here they don't think of pain the same way here they don't think of excess the same way here that they are old they are proud and they do not have the same views about violence but you have fun at dinner right <laughs> absolutely but he, so this is felipe um and he <laughs> what is what an introduction <laughs> He is one of the sailors from the 1588 Spanish vessel that crashed and he disappeared and never came back. He's been in the Fay Court for 400 years. Okay. And so he's learned the ins and outs of how to be immortal in this place. I'd like to think you picked Quote, up. Quote, mortal. He hasn't died, obviously. Yeah. Well, I was going to. Do we find out why? Why he's immortal? No. Okay. I was going to say, that seems important. No, he never uh, He never says. All right. Um, the way they make it sound, so the, the veil between worlds lifts every Samhain. They must have crashed and wandered into the Fey realm around Samhain and never left again. Yeah, okay. So he tells her a few other things that she really needs to know. Um, fairies, most of their power is in words, um, and words have a lot of power in the Fey realm, so you have to choose your words carefully and you have to listen carefully to everything that is said to you fae vows can't be or can't really be broken or easily broken without harsh punishments because the words are so powerful but they love bargains they love making bargains and trading things so she can use that power to to bargain for her own safety while she's in the realm and most importantly she has to eat salt mortal salt at every meal to maintain the mortal salt in her blood 
because if she doesn't, when she leaves, she'll die. So uh, if her body wow. chemistry, if if her body yeah. chemistry adjusts to the Fey realm, she won't be able to live in the human world yeah. anymore. Which is, pr- I would imagine, what is explains why Felipe is yeah probably still there. Yeah. Um, he does say later in the book, like, he can't go home. If he were to, he's 400 years old. If he were to walk out of the Fey Realm, he would just crumble to dust. Yeah. Because <laughs> he's... He's fucked. Yeah. Fucked. <laughs> yeah. In the dining hall, um, she finds, like, okay, close your eyes and imagine medieval hedonism at its most extreme. And that's what's happening. There's food. There's wine. There is a dais right in front of the throne with an orgy on it. There's people fucking everywhere. With horns and tails and wings. They're fairies. They're beautiful. They're preternaturally beautiful. And they're all just fucking all over the place. That would put me off my meal. I know, right? (laughs) I was was thinking the same thing. Like, I don't think I'd want to have dinner, like, really, right next to my salad, you know? Trying to reach around. Like, excuse me. I'm just, you're, you're, (laughs) you know what? No, you seem (laughs) to have, you seem to have a different purpose for that pepper grinder. (laughs) I keep it. I'll go you know without. What? Keep it. I'll go without. It's fine. She is sat next to the queen um, on her great throne. Um, everything in the the stag court is decorated with antlers. So great aesthetic choices being made here. And as she sits down and she tries to talk to the queen. And almost immediately they are interrupted by an ambassador from the thistle court. Another court of the... Um, Fey realm who has brought a gift for the queen as a token of friendship and peace or something like that the queen does not accept it uh, and forces the servant to put the bracelet on himself forces the ambassador to put the bracelet on himself and as soon as he does thorns erupt from his skin and he falls to the ground bleeding and screaming and everyone around him is just like, oh, look, violence and gore. How wonderful. What a delightful <laughs> Gentle advantage. Gentle clapping. Yeah. What a, what, a, what a delightful addition to this orgy we're having right now. They don't stop. They, they like lick his blood off the floor and creepy shit like I that. I was going to say, I'm guessing he was somehow incorporated into the scene. <laughs> After a few seconds, the bracelet is taken off and he's dragged away to, to the dungeon to be imprisoned probably until he never dies. I'm just imagining if this was a TV show, the, the subtitle would just say squelching. Gross. <laughs> just the, the sound of him just being dragged. Squelching. <laughs> uh, during this sequence of events, Janeth is horrified. I mean, she's never seen anything this violent or magically dangerous before. And then she looks over at the queen and the queen who has yet to break any expression is just like gently smiling. So she's like, oh, Oh, I'm fucked. (laughs) This place is bad. This place is not a good place to be. But she's also drawn to the queen and she's drawn to the excess of this place. Like I said, she's in a, she calls herself an insatiable girl. She wants to be involved in all of this as much as she doesn't want to die while she's here. Yeah. So she speaks to the queen and eventually she offers her a bargain. If the queen will guarantee her safety while she is in the Fey realm, she will give herself to the queen. And the queen's like, I've already got you. Why don't you sweeten the pot a little bit? And Janeth looks around to figure out like what else she can possibly offer in this place. And she realizes that like, yeah, everybody's fucking and drinking and fucking and <laughs> just really lots of fucking. just so much fucking. But they all kind of look bored because I guess over a long enough period of time, excessive hedonism gets boring to an immortal. 
Yeah. So she says, I can offer you the promise that I will always want more. I will never get bored. And to prove it, she marches her happy ass right through the big pool of blood on the ground up onto the orgy dais and joins. Shit. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> Maynard and Idalia, two of the Fae who mm. brought her here, take her bodice down and her skirt up. The people who are involved in the orgy, like they're not stopping the orgy. No. But I- they're <laughs> they become like her chains they hold her down like they hold her in place and she is diddled for all she's worth in front of the queen and she's having a fantastic time she's not this is not about Maynard or Idalia or anybody else she just wants the queen to look at her while she's having fantastic orgasms right so the queen's like once they're all done (laughs) the queen comes to the dais runs her fingers directly through janeth's pussy shoves them in janeth's mouth she loves this and she says uh she agrees to the deal um she janeth will be her pet not just her guest she will be her pet for the entire time that she is in the stag court is that a promotion i guess well when you're talking about pets in like the bdsm world it's a major promotion because it's a, a 24-7 power exchange. She is going to be taken care of like the queen would take care of a dog. But think of how the queen would probably take care of her dog, you know? Yeah. The queen tells the court that Janeth is now her consort and her pet. And she shall be treated as such. So she's going to have every excess afforded to her. Whatever she wants, someone will get it for her. She spends the rest of the evening being fed and wined and she puts salt on everything that she eats so that she can keep that mortal salt in her blood (laughs) um, until eventually she returns to her chamber. On the way there, she meets Morvan again and learns that that the queen is his sister. Mm -hmm. He's the prince who will not be king and he's just generally pissed off about everything he skulks everywhere he's constantly wearing black as one of those assholes frowning get out of the way d'artagnan yeah. <laughs> kick rocks so she gets back to her room she takes a long hot bath in her magical fairy bathtub and then she puts on a robe and she goes to find the queen she tells the enchanted leaves that she wants to go and see the queen <laughs> and the leaves are like shh okay and off they go um and slow the- down i got weak knees yeah <laughs> you see what happened to me in there <laughs> seriously slow down i got fucked real good and now i can't walk great so she goes to the queen and the queen is in her private bed chamber and she is also taking a bath and when she walks in when janeth walks in she sees the queen's back the queen is what is called glassed in the fairy realm so her back goes from normal shoulders to just below her shoulder blades, her skin turns translucent and then fully transparent. And by the time you get to the middle of her back, you can see her internal organs. I think that's cool as shit. Oh, I want to have sex with somebody like that because I want to see my penis inside. <laughs> <laughs> well, her front isn't like that. Only oh. her back. I'm sorry. Well, anal? <laughs> I don't... They never really say whether you if whether it stops at her hips or anything. It's just her lungs and her heart and her insides, all her vital organs. And Janeth is sort of obsessed with this and like the beauty that is inside her. She keeps calling her ribs blood pink, like her blood pink bones, because her bones are still wet in there instead of dry and white. Yeah. 
And the whole time I was like, this sounds super cool, but in that way that translucent fish are super cool, I don't think I want to see that on a human, like an actual person no. who looks like a human. I was just saying to your mom the other day, like one of my the, one of the gifts that I always wanted back in back when I was a kid, the big thing to do before Christmas was to go through the JC Penny catalog and I always wanted the visible man. I always wanted the it was just like a like a 12 inch action figure but you could see everything inside oh yeah i wanted one of those i had one of those when i was a kid i didn't want to fuck that but that sounds cool <laughs> i had one of those except mine was after do you remember uh creepy crawlers oh yeah um after that after that technology was invented and perfected for the market i made all of his organs oh that's cool as shit and then i put them inside of him he was like a little clamshell oh, man that's even better he was super cool i got him as a Christmas present for my grandma, because my grandma always gave us educational gifts at Christmas time yeah. when I was a kid. So back to Janeth and the Queen. The Queen uh, asks Janeth to wash her body. Janeth does that. While she's doing that, she tells the Queen that she always wanted to be a pet. She always wanted to be a 24-7 submissive, but even Doms eventually got bored or tired of her, mm-hmm. um, of her extreme insatiability insatiability thank you you're welcome she just wants she wants too much humans can't handle her so she has convinced herself to stop wanting these things she has relegated herself to like one time short-term hookups where she just gets on tinder finds a guy and leaves when he falls asleep and she has poured everything else that she has into archaeology even though it's like slowly killing her dreams because she doesn't believe in any of the magic of archaeology anymore it's all just grants and funding snafus and digging yeah you know plus all the good shit's been dug up yeah and stolen by white people yeah um we, uh, we 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 have a history of doing we that. We do. We have a long history of stealing and then not giving it back, even after they say, hey, that's ours. <laughs> you can't have it back. It's in a museum. <laughs> but a British person dug that up. It's ours now. <laughs> Finders keepers. Yep. No takesies back. <laughs> Please read the no takesies backsies clause of 1497. <laughs> No takes these backs. You see, it says right here, uh, it's mine. <laughs> because I said so. <laughs> Do you have a flag? <laughs> oh, sweet, sweet Eddie. No flag. I no love country. her so. I do. Um, Susie Eddie. Susie Eddie. Uh, Susie, Susie Eddie Izzard. Susie those, Eddie Izzard, yeah. fantastic stand-up comedian. She has said many times that she doesn't care whether you call her Susie or Eddie. So, um, Anyway, so back to the story because it's just getting good. Janeth then fingers the queen. And that scene was, I put a fire emoji and a sweating emoji. (laughs) (laughs) That scene was fantastic. Um, When she licks her fingers clean after after they're done, Mm -hmm. um, she starts to see the world differently. The stars are brighter. The queen is glowing. The fire seems to dance. The the black irises of the queen are the depths of space now. Um, And this is when we we find out that the fairy fruit is not food. Mm -hmm. It's fairy fruit. Oh, it's, it's bodily fluids. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, it's saliva, tears, <laughs> semen, whatever you want to call what comes out of a vagina. If you can excrete it, it's a fruit. Yeah, <laughs> and blood. 
uh, though there's no blood exchange in this yeah. book, uh, but blood is listed amongst the things. Um, they got they got to call it something different so they don't you know so they can make it sound fancy like sweetbreads. Um, <laughs> my note just says don't eat fairy fruit could actually mean don't eat fairy pr- fairy pussy, which could be a problem in this book. <laughs> It's not a problem. You can't put a fairy pussy in front of my face and then tell me not to eat it. Exactly. Right. Um, You cannot put this woman's naked body in front of me and tell me not to put my mouth on her because that's not going to happen. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Uh, So fairy fruit in this in this context is like a drug. It has like a I don't know. I don't do most drugs. Right. So I don't know what kind of I want to say ecstasy, but I've never done ecstasy, but it makes you happy and horny and everything's sort of like heightened and psychedelic i would love to try ecstasy i would not but there that's, uh, that yeah, there you go <laughs> there now you know i how will we both, and you won't there that'll be the end of it now, now you both know how we both feel about uh ecstasy yeah exactly so janeth and the queen go to bed they have this nice long languid like make out come down sesh and then they go to sleep in the morning she wakes up she's alone but the queen has breakfast brought to the room for her she eats breakfast um and uh, make sure to eat to put salt on her food and she feels normal again. So the, the antidote to the high of fairy fruit is to eat salt. And it's an immediate reaction. She dresses and she goes to the throne room. In the throne room, she overhears a conversation between the queen and her advisor, whose name is um, Sholto. Uh, she overhears an argument between the queen and Sholto where he basically says they have to do this. Uh, she doesn't have a choice, etc., etc. The queen wants out of whatever bargain this is, but she um, doesn't have whatever necessary tools that she needs to get out of that bargain. The advisor tells her that she has no choices. Every court has to comply. This is how Samhain is done. She doesn't know the context of this, but it's the information that the, that we as the audience need to know what is happening down the line. The queen, this is where we learn that the queen has only been queen for two years. This Samhain festival is an important one for the court because it's her first opportunity to prove that she can do whatever it is that she's supposed to be doing here that she doesn't want to do. Sholto realizes that Janeth is in the room and he tells her to leave and the queen declares that Janeth will be by her side day and night for the next three days so he might as well get over it because she's not going anywhere. Hell yes, that queen. Yeah. So they go uh, to the hunt. It's a traditional English hunt on horses with hounds. At the hunt, Janeth hangs in the back of the group and um, she gets the tea from Felipe, as I put here. Um, <laughs> fey, body, fey body fluids are like drugs, most potent to humans. They work on other fairies, but nowhere near as good. Morvin hates the queen, who is his twin sister. They, call, they are called the night glass twins because they are both glassed. They were both born at night. Night glass twins. Uh, but Morvin's glassing is across his chest. His heart is exposed. That's why he wears thick layers of black clothing at all times because he doesn't want people to see his heart literally inside of his body. I mean, um, that'd be you're trying to be all cool and shit, just trying to like keep a stone face and people can see your heart yeah, beating fast. Exactly, like, well, shit, man. Exactly. Terrible poker player. Also, they would know exactly where it is if they wanted to stab it. Oh, yeah, it's know? right there. Well, yeah, it's right there. I guess it, an actual target makes it even more terrifying. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, it's it's even worse. Um, the reason why Morvin hates the queen is because there was like a prophecy that said the Nightglass twins would be would be great. Either one of them would be a great ruler. But when their mother died, Janeth won the succession, and so or not Janeth, sorry, 
the queen won the succession and now Morvan will never be king and he's salty about it because it's not like they die the queen will have children before he dies yeah you said he was salty about it and I was like wait a second because I was wondering what would happen if like people of the fey realm ate salt well they have salt dishes on all the tables I don't know if they eat salt or not no all right I just didn't know if it was like some weird anyway moving on um and then he's he says that the fey have a tradition of keeping mortals as eternal companions that's part of the reason why he's still alive he's been allowed to exist as a companion um as something of like a novelty look at my mortal (laughs) he's He's so human he's so mortal he doesn't do magic and he can die i could shove him across (laughs) the veil and he would just go poof (laughs) (laughs) i love him so much um this is the first time Janeth realizes that she might be okay with just, like, staying here. Yeah. I mean, it's not like she would die. Um, she could live forever in this place, this this place that is eternal and magical and mysterious. But she still fully believes that she is going home tomorrow night. So it doesn't matter whether she wants to stay or not. She's going home. She's separated from the group eventually and finds the queen standing alone in the forest trigger warning uh at this point for blood and gore because this scene made me itchy like i didn't i didn't (laughs) like it when i said hunting i meant hunting the queen shoots the stag with a crossbow and then cuts it open squelching and eats its heart more squelching raw and she offers a bite to janeth and janeth takes a bite too and then they start kissing all bloody mouthed and i was not okay with this this scene at all um i i know where my meat comes from i'm cool with it i just don't want to like think about it i don't want to think about eating a raw heart here's a story i've never told you my stepdad was an avid hunter and up, scott and uh (laughs) yeah fuck you scott fuck you buddy anyway uh which is such a stepdad name i think like all stepdad should be legally have to change their names to scott Right. Oh, uh, just side note, that fuck you doesn't extend to Scotty. I met you. You seem nice. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Scott Jr., you're cool. But, Scott uh, Sr., fuck you. He was an avid hunter, and because I was a traumatized child, I was like, well, I'm going to try and bond with my stepfather. So I will take hunter safety, and I will learn how to hunt. And he was like, yeah, you know, go out, hunt, and you know, kill your first animal, and then you uh, you have to field dress it and drink its blood. And I was Ugh, like, hey, don't. I'm no, going to keep playing video games and baseball <laughs> and never fucking do that. <laughs> Ever. Yeah. Good call, baby. Good call. Good choice, I think. Choice well made. I don't I don't want to know what would have happened to you if that trauma had ever I mean, that specific mm. trauma. I mean, I've got enough. Yeah. I don't I don't need to remember what, you know, deer blood tasted like. <laughs> exactly. Uh so let's go back to our story, which is about to get way better. Uh because oh, then they have God. sex in the woods. Yes. Um and the queen uses her knife instead of taking her pants off, she uses her knife to just cut the crotch right <laughs> out of her pants. I was like Yes. <laughs> I don't know why, but yeah, <laughs> I like that. I like that a lot. And the queen sits on her face. Yeah. The queen sits on Janeth's face and just fucks her face. At this point, Janeth is just high, 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 high on the queen's fairy fruit and is thrilled to be there. She's like, thank you for inviting me. This is fantastic. After they finish with round one, Janeth asks the queen her name and the, the queen gives her her name. The, 
names are important in the Fey realm. You don't just give them away. So uh, this is an important moment. Uh, important moment in terms of story. Uh, the queen actually shares her name. Her name is Morgana. Um, so for the rest of the book, we'll call her Morgana. They uh, continue to fuck and nap for the rest of the day. That oh, that sex scene is way longer than that. But I'm just focusing on the face sitting part. Uh, but it's a, a fantastic scene. A chef's kiss of a scene. I loved it. And they go they go on and off for just hours, just fucking and napping and cuddling and rolling around in the grass and sounds fucking phenomenal. Um, Not a child in sight. No, <laughs> no kids to worry about. <laughs> remember those days uh yeah vaguely yeah. my memory is bad so i don't remember them great but i do remember them wake up late on a sunday yeah do all that stuff go get an omelet yep. come back maybe do it again mexican food if i'm the one who gets to pick yeah yeah that's good i and just any anytime i hear something like this in a book and i'm just like and no fucking kids i love our kids but holy shit sometimes i do wish like that, what like like a couple months ago, we took him to your parents' house, and, and that's exactly what we did. We came home, had Mexican food, recorded an episode, yeah, <laughs> but didn't do any of that other shit because we were too tired. Yeah, it's <laughs> the fucking kids. And then we watched TV and cuddled. Yes, uh, and didn't so, do any of the other stuff. Okay. Lots of sex, cuddles, lots of sex, lots of cuddling. Every once in a while, Morgana feeds Janeth some salt just to keep her from like totally yep. losing her mind. She cares about her, even as a as a pet. You know, she cares about her. After the hunting um, feast happens, because eventually they do go back and join the group and have the feast. Uh, Morgana and Janeth then slip into, slip into the queen's private pavilion, which uh, reads a bit like one of those cool tents from any historical movie you may have seen where a hunting party is sleeping in a big tent and the king has like a cool tent love those fucking tents yeah that it's it's like that they talk about why janeth is an archaeologist even though it's slowly killing her sense of wonder and it's because she can pour herself into it and she got tired of people being annoyed of embarrassed of her or of her all the time um they talk about why morgana chose janeth and she finds out that a year ago on Samhain night Janeth went to a um, traditional Scottish Halloween parade and got very, very sad and sort of just said out loud, I'll go if you take me, I'll go. Uh, Similar to how in Labyrinth, you just have to say, I kind of wish the Goblin King would come and take you. (laughs) Like, it's just that easy. So Morgana has been watching Janeth for a year and obsessing over her this entire time. So when the next Samhain came, she decided that Janeth needed to be the the mortal that was taken through the veil for reasons. Yeah, for face-sitting reasons. Face-sitting reasons. Um, <laughs> and then they kind of talk about what happened, how the queen came to power, the Thistle Court killed her mother, it's a long-standing rivalry, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. There's a lot of, like, fake court politics that happens in this scene. Janeth realizes that she is in love with the queen. Like she's only been there for a day, um, but she's in love with Morgana already, and she would stay with her. Um, she knows the whole situation is wrong. She knows that this place is violent and cruel, and the queen is not like a good person. I don't believe in the concept of morally gray, because I think everyone is morally gray. I don't think anyone is morally white or morally black. You know, not real people. No. Uh, but Morgana's probably the closest thing you can get to morally black in a book that I've read mm-hmm. in a while. She is uh, cruel and uses violence when she needs to. And eventually they go to bed uh, without having more sex because Morgana tells her they need to be like 
bright eyed and fresh because the next day is the negotiation at the sanctuary and they need to be well rested. Oh, shit. Um, in the morning, they get dressed and they ride to the shadow market, um, which is a really cool concept that happens in a lot of books. I love the night market. Neil Gaiman wrote a really cool version of the night market in um, Neverwhere. Stardew Valley had a great one. Stardew, yeah, Stardew Valley had a night market. That was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, so Morgana tells Janeth about the shadow market, how it works. It's basically a, a big bazaar that happens once a year. When the ve- when the veil is is down, they come and go through the realms as they please. Sometimes humans wander in. Sometimes they're brought in on purpose. And uh, there is a corner of this market that has been bewitched for humans that corner is the carnival that all of her friends were going to the other night. So it's all it's all connected, motherfucker. <laughs> it's all interconnected. It goes all the way to the top. And, and uh, you can get some lovely glassware. As well. <laughs> At one point, she says they're walking through the market and somebody's selling a T-shirt that says eat the rude, which I think is great. I would love that shirt while they're walking through the market, which is this really cool sounding big fairy bazaar where there's all cor- sorts of interesting looking people and interesting looking stuff that Janet has, you know, wants to explore and uh, whatever she is. They explained that they they have to pay the tithe. This year is the, the court of stags turn to pay the tithe, which is a tax that has to be paid every year so that the veil can be lifted again and the realms can be separated. Otherwise, there will be magic and chaos. Uh, Janeth thinks it sounds a little human sacrifice quote unquote. And Morgana is basically like, don't worry your pretty little head about it. <laughs> I was thinking it sounded bureaucratic. Yeah, right? Like I imagine them showing up to go get somebody to bring them through the veil. But like, what the fuck? Why is the veil still here? And then some like tiny little bureaucrat rolls up on a little like scooter or something. It's like, well, sorry, somebody, you're, you're behind on your tithe. <laughs> You owe us 17 more golden acorns. Yep. <laughs> Once you pay that, though, we can get this veil lifted right up for you. <laughs> no, it's a it's a magical tax of something, yeah. uh, but nobody will say what it is. Okay. It's all shrouded in secrecy, and Morvin explains it a little bit more a little later. Janeth and the queen are separated for a little while, and while they're separated, Morvin meets up with Janeth and tells her that uh, the negotiations that they are planning for are not peace talks, as Janeth thinks they are. Morgana is supposed to marry the queen of the Thistle Court. Well, heartbreak for Janeth. She thinks that she's going to be, at most, the mistress of uh, the queen who is married to another woman. He says that the betrothal will be two queens, one crown of antler and thorns once more, the seely and the unseely court together once again, because they used to be, they used to be the, the court of, of stags and thorns. Like they were all together. But in the meantime, a lot of shit went down and the, uh, the thistle court are the ones who killed Morgana's mom. Those bastards. Those bastards. And they're the ones who sent that horrible piece of jewelry. And they're apparently the ones responsible for several great fey wars. Like, they're not good people. But <laughs> but you're, you guys are going to get married. <laughs> oh, I mean, they, they, he make, they, they make it sound like it's like a political thing. Oh, yeah, it's clearly. Like, they have to get married to, like, keep the peace or something. But uh, Sure as shit ain't friendly. It's like a fucking mystical Hatfields and McCoys. Right? Seriously. Um. 
So Janeth is now quite heartbroken, but she knows that she has to continue to play the dutiful pet while she's at the market for her own safety because she's a human amongst all of these fae creatures. So she goes to the negotiation where she meets up with Morgana again. They're in what they call the sanctuary, which is a magically protected place specifically for negotiations. Nothing bad can happen in this space. Um <laughs> Janeth feels out of place and prop and improperly dressed because she says she's dressed super slutty. She tried like to be a good pet. She wore the most revealing dress she could find. Um, <laughs> Little heads up next time, right. stag queen. Quote: I once spent twenty four hours in Berlin wearing nothing but nipple pasties and a neon green tutu. Like that's who Janeth is, and right now she feels too slutty for the proceedings. I'm picturing it. I like so <laughs> right, I'm proud of her. I like her very much. Um, so the queens sit across from each other in two ca- grand carved chairs to have these negotiations and Janeth sits at Morgana's feet as the dutiful pet that she is at one point to show her loyalty and demonstrate how good of a pet she is she crawls over to the the thistle queen and gives the thistle queen head I was like what what are we doing what's happening right now okay let's go I guess um and she's very proud of the fact that she got the Thistle Queen to, like, break her perfectly statuesque, like, frozen face. She doesn't, like, the Thistle Queen doesn't make a sound. Yeah. But her face kind of. I've been, I've been with a few girls like that. Yeah, tenses up. Um, and so she's she feels proud that she got her to break even a little bit. And before she goes back to Morgana, the Thistle Queen sort of pulls her in close and uh, tells her that the tithe is her life that she is the human sacrifice that's going to happen to close the veil at the end of this festival um she tells janeth that as soon as she is able she needs to run and not look back so that's what she does the two queens go off by a waterfall to talk where they can't be overheard and she runs away she like has her coat like her normal human coat and she's like i'm so fucking high on fairy pussy right now i don't know what to do (laughs) she reaches into her pocket and she finds like a cutlery set from a diner and there's a salt packet in there so thank god her life is saved she eats a few grains of salt and she runs and she runs to this old castle on the hill um that's not any of the fairies castle it's it's just a, a dead old castle and when she gets there she's met by felipe who's like i'm so very sorry about this but i have learned to survive here and i'm doing that now and he puts a cloth over her mouth Mm -hmm. and she loses consciousness and when she wakes up she's chained to a big stone like a big stone platform inside of the castle and uh she's like well fuck now i'm gonna die i don't want to die Felipe apologizes to her several times. Um, no, it's fine, Felipe. It's fine. Thanks yeah. uh, for everything. But it, he's like, "There's nothing. There's nothing that I can do here. Either you die or we all die." Um, yeah, it's it's kind of you or us. Yeah, and right. It's gonna be you. Morgana comes to find her inside of this castle, and they have sex right there on the stone. She doesn't get unchained. This is a major power dynamic shift here. She is chained and they have sex on on the stone. But the queen refuses to kiss her, refuses to let her eat her out, refuses to do anything that would compromise her 
because <laughs> but she does eat her out with gusto good the queen eats out janet the, the queen the eats janet out yeah right do. for real this is also the, i think the first time that this has happened in the like over the course of this book i think yeah um, um and then when they're all done she unchains janet and tells her she really does need to run she loves her and she doesn't want her to die so she needs to run she won't sacrifice her she needs to go uh so she runs through the castle to the cairn where she is met again by morvin who tells her that if she doesn't go then morgana will kill herself as the sacrifice and he's like i don't want that i would make a terrible king i don't you don't nobody wants me to be king so don't (laughs) the alternative is not paying the debt and uh, the tithe as it were they need the life to fuel the magic to raise the veil basically and if they don't maybe the veil will raise on its own the tithe only happens every seven years so maybe Maybe it'll just go up on its own like it normally does. Or maybe it'll stay down forever. The fairies and the demons and the demigods will flood the mortal realm once more and it'll be back to the dark ages. Well, yeah. <laughs> when you put it like that. Yeah. Like there aren't a lot of options here, but he doesn't want Morgana to die. He doesn't want Janeth to die, but he doesn't know what else to do. He just knows that he has to tell Janeth because Janeth needs to make her own choices in all of this. And uh, Janeth doesn't want Morgana to die. So they go to the tithing place. That's what all they call it, the yeah. tithing place, to try to stop whatever this is from happening at the tithing place. They find Idalia and Sholto pleading with the queen to make any other fucking choice besides killing herself. And she says that she won't. This is the only thing that she can do. She doesn't believe in doing anything to, to anyone that she wouldn't do to herself in the name of her, in the name of her kingdom. So she's going to kill herself. Um, Janeth remembers at that point that the very first time she met Felipe, he said that he had found like an old book that said that a, you could sacrifice a life without killing someone. And she's like, well, we'll give it a shot. And she marches right up to the tithing stone right next to Morgana. And she says, my name is Janeth. I am immortal. I am giving my life, my future, my home, my friends, my family, my career up to stay in the Fey realm with Morgana for the rest of eternity. I am I am sacrificing my life for the Fey realm. Uh, her parents are dead, though. Mm-hmm. It just isn't the answer to the age old question I always have in books like this. Like, what about your fucking family? You're, you're just going to disappear. They're already dead. There would be a line if somehow they could identify where the entrance to the Fey realm was. Do you know how many people would be willing to go fuck student loans? Yeah. Fuck my debt. I can't buy a house. The planet's on fucking fire. Uh, yeah, no, I'll stay alive forever in the Fey realm and eat fairy pussy for the rest of my life right <laughs> for the rest of time yeah they would have to like put up barricades it, 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 don't ever let that secret get out seriously Faye, if you're listening i don't know if they get get podcasts in the Faye realm don't let the secret out <laughs> for sure at one point during the story i can't remember where it was in the book but she talks she she talks about like having to go back home and like fucking log back onto the student the student loan website that crashes as soon as you remember your password and i was like you know what leave the veil down fuck it 
Yeah, exactly. Fuck it. Let the fairies take over. Uh, death and destruction in the dark ages, but at least there won't be goddamn student debt anymore. Yeah. And mortgages will stop existing. Yeah. And like all the stupid shit humans have come up with is all fucking dumb and our oceans are full of plastic and our bodies are full of plastic and we're burning dead dinosaurs to run our cars and fuck it. Let the fae take over. Yeah. You mean I have to be forever like attached to this this hot stag queen or Sally May. <laughs> you know what? I take the hot stag queen I'll any go hot, fucking day. I'll go hot stag queen. Yeah, I got to sit at her feet every once in a while. I got to bathe her, but I don't have to give her 75% of my fucking income yeah. just to watch my debt not go down. <laughs> yep. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So uh, Janeth actually comes out of this very clean. She's going to be the, qu- the the queen's consort in a seely court, meaning a not-so-evil court of the Fey Realm for eternity with this fucking red-hot smoking babe Yeah, who can do magic and shit. Good for Janeth. In her big magic castle full of hedonism and excess, which is exactly what Janeth loves. And she... she A-plus. Yeah. Archaeologist digs up dream life. Good job. <laughs> no notes. No notes. Uh, so she, I'm... To finish our story very quickly, on making this sacrifice and kissing Morgana, the veil closes, everything is fine, Morgana confesses her love again, they confess their love to each other, that's the end of the book. And the Thorn Queen's like, uh... And and I guess at some point they're going to go to war with the Thistle Court, I don't know, (laughs) I don't know. I won't forget this. I don't know if they will or won't, but I like during her final conversation with Morvin, he's like, he, he said, if I am king, we're going to go to war because she's going to figure out how to go to war with me. She's going to figure out how to push the right button. Morgana has a way better chance of keeping us in peace yeah. just by being Morgana. Um, the Thistle Court is full of assholes and bitches and they want to go to war. Mor- Morvin? Morvin. Morvin. I, I respect that Morvin knows that about himself. Yes. Self-awareness is a trait sorely lacking in so many people. Seriously. I'm glad he knows that about himself. Yeah, me too. When, when he was like, I would make a terrible king, I was like, you know what? Good for you. Good for you. I mean, not to be a, a feminist about it, but look at that. A man who doesn't want more power. Good for you. I sure shit. Seriously. <laughs> who would... Yeah, it sounds awful to be honest with you. Having that much power because it either turns you into an asshole, or you have to you have to let it all go. Like there's no there's no other option. You become an asshole if you have that much power. You become an asshole, or you have to be completely disassociated and dispassionate about everything around you. Place very little value on relationships and just see everything in very concrete and black and white terms. Yeah, exactly. And even then, you've got people constantly asking you for stuff, which is also not a thing I want. Nope. Um, so, yeah, that is that is The Fae Queen's Captive by Sierra Simone. That was a ride. It is a ride. It is like 145 pages of just hedonism and filth. Yeah. And I love it. And now, <laughs> and now I get I get to, like, if anybody looks like they're a little, like, off their fate, like, you're, like, might be on something a little bit, like, you all right, man? You been eating fairy pussy? <laughs> you good? Can I get some? You got some fairy pussy? You good? How many fingers am I holding uh-huh. up? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. 
listener at home, we're just wiggling our fingers in the air like like idiots. They could tell because we went. Mm. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. That sound that you only make that sound when you're wiggling something. <laughs> My wife is uh, laughing, and you know um, why. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 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 Uh, because, uh, because slap, you've got slap, a slap. part that wiggles <laughs> i do wiggles real good when you shift your hips back and forth it slaps it's real funny you did it earlier today it was hilarious because yeah. <laughs> i could only see the top half of you and just hear the slapping yeah noise. that's why i did it <laughs> it was funny it was a great bit yeah it was really good it was really good and so was this book this book was great i loved this book i really i really liked it um even though it was dark and uh made me feel some feelings and uh, made me gayer. Uh, no, that's the thing I liked about this book. <laughs> it made me gayer. <laughs> Not even though, because it made me gayer. Uh, it was fantastic. I hope to one day read one of the other Peculiar Tastes books. Uh, but my TBR grows in leaps and bounds every fucking day because I'm on book talk all the time. And there's just so many books. And I want to read them all. S- Sierra Simone. Sierra Simone. Sierra, if you're listening, my wife just gave you the ultimate blurb. <laughs> this book made me gayer. Yeah. Katie Mizell. Katie Mizell. Co-host. Cheap <laughs> smut. I could always be gayer. I'm just saying. I yeah. could always be gayer. Yeah. Uh, most of us could. Yeah. Most of us could. There's Even- one ultimate gay. And when I find them, I shall pledge my loyalty. <laughs> the gay to end all gays. <laughs> and whoever they are. Hi. I'm Katie. I hope you're listening. I would love to meet you someday, Ultimate Gay. Be on the show. You sound amazing already. One day. One day. The Ultimate Gay <laughs> will come our way. That's it. I I, yeah. I, I could keep, I could, you know I love to rhyme. Yes. Shit. Let's put and this baby to a bed. A is a great thing to rhyme. So. It is, and it's an easy thing to rhyme. You know what's not easy to rhyme? The outro. Yeah. You can find us on social media. We are on TikTok and Instagram at cheap smut we do have an email address i do check it cheap smut pod at gmail.com the music that we use in every episode is nostalgia by makai beats which you can find along with thousands of other songs on the free music archive freemusicarchive.org seriously there's some great tunes on there if you're a soul coughing fan mike doty just put out an entire album of free music that you can use and shit i really i went through that entire album trying to justify using a mike doty song for our theme song couldn't fucking do it but there's shit out there like that you can search for it not a sponsor uh what do we got coming up next week next week we are reading pause for effect a book a book the dalwick demon by ashley bennett i'm a fan of ashley bennett uh she wrote another book that i really enjoyed about a wolf man and uh i'm i've already started this one i started it earlier this week it's a delightful little romp with a demon in a cave and it's great and the following week just to set this up uh, we got our first request. Oh, I was going to ask. I, I couldn't remember if we were going to do that in two weeks or more. No. So this is, I would like to do this in two weeks. Yeah. It's a long book. It's a dense book. It's, I'm told, a pretty dark book. So I'm giving myself extra time. But um, TikTok user, the one and only, who requested I read A Soul to Keep by Opal Rain. It's coming in two weeks. 
So next week, The Dalwick Demon by Ashley Bennett. Week after that, A Soul to Keep by Opal Rain. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. And in the meantime, listener, if there is a book in you, write it. And if there's fucking in it, I'll read it. And then she will come on this show and explain it to me for your entertainment. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. We love getting new listeners. Have a great night. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.